and welcome to Books Are My People, a podcast for book lovers with book news, book recommendations, and ruminations on living a literary life in Los Angeles. I am your host, Jennifer Calogaris, and this is episode number five. I feel like this is a real podcast now that we've made it to five. So I've been checking up on the stats of the podcast, and it's kind of fun to see where people are hailing from. The majority of my listeners are in the United States and the UK, but someone listened to me from Africa, so that makes me very excited. Here we are holding on to the last of summer. My kids don't go back to school until after Labor Day, so we still have some time. We did a little staycation in Pasadena. Pasadena is about 25 miles east of LA, and it has a lot of history to it, Um, but we spent some time at the Neon Retro Arcade. If you are ever in Pasadena and you enjoy old arcade games, you should check it out. It was $10 an hour for unlimited playtime on all of their 80s video games, and they play 80s music, so my 10-year-old, who is obsessed with the 80s, just loved it. It was really fun. I'm still pretty good at the original Frogger. Um, And then I discovered this new game, which I'm going to forget what it's called, but it's basically a guy in a bar filling up beer, pitchers of beer. I think it's supposed to be root beer, but come on, it's really beer. And then slinging it down the bar and picking up tips. And you have to do that really quickly without dropping any of the beer. I mean, root beer. Wink, wink. I also took another trip around the sun since the recording of our last podcast. I am officially 43. I have no qualms about my age. I think 43 is a great age to be. And a very special book fairy graced me with a bunch of advanced review copies of books that are coming out in 2020. So that was the absolute best gift I could have received. The chickens are doing well, in case you were wondering. Oh, and I forgot the biggest news is that I'm speaking to you from my office. I finally moved my podcast situation out of the bedroom, which is very exciting. And I am in my official office. And now it's time for some bookish news. I was so saddened to learn about Toni Morrison's death. She is such a celebrated author. I think Sula and Beloved are my favorite of her books. Um, I recently came across my high school edition of Sula with post-it notes that had all sorts of notes I had written on the book, um, which were kind of embarrassing to go back and read. Um, But I had an amazing, I had many amazing English teachers in high school, but one in particular who introduced me to Toni Morrison, and she just really made literature accessible to me and kind of fostered my love of books that I went on to study in college. And because of that teacher and because of my exposure to Toni Morrison's work, I took this class in college in my senior year called Caliban Literature, which referred to the character in uh, the Shakespeare play. And it was all about the other in literature um, and characters who were sort of on the fringe. And that led me to write a thesis on the poet Marlene Norbezi Phillips. So see, it all goes back to Toni Morrison in high school English class. Because I teach at UCLA, one of the perks is for every class I teach, I get to take a class for free, which 
is just so amazing and I don't take advantage of it enough, mostly because of time, but I am keeping my fingers crossed this year that there will be an English professor who teaches a class on Toni Morrison work and I will be in that class in a heartbeat. In book to TV news, Madeline Miller's novel Circe will be coming to HBO. I read this last year. Circe is a collection of tales about the Greek goddess, Circe. Someone told me the the correct way to say her name. I am not saying it right. None of us are saying it right. I think it's a hard C. Could that be correct? But this book was so fun. My 13-year-old had to read the Dolaire's collection of Greek mythology last year, and I had so much fun reading that with him. I loved that book when I was little, and I feel like Circe is sort of the adult version of that, um, except told through the lens of the Greek goddess Circe. I read an interesting article in Publishers Weekly last week about ebooks. And before my novel Strays was published as an ebook, I really had very little understanding about how they worked. I thought they were just basically a free way for publishers to make money because, I mean, how much does it really cost to produce and distribute an ebook? I thought it was nothing. But lo and behold, I was wrong. I didn't really understand that when a library purchases an ebook, it's only allowed to distribute that book for a limited amount of time. So they might pay a flat fee in order to lend that ebook out for two years, or maybe they have a limited amount of lens, let's say 50 lens or 300 lens before they need to pay the publisher again for another selected amount of borrows. It makes me kind of think twice before downloading an ebook that I might not actually read. So the current issue is that some publishers are now placing a timed embargo on ebooks. So for example, Macmillan placed a four-month embargo on new release titles from its Tor imprint. So basically no one can download an ebook of any of these books for four months. And that's in the hopes that consumers will spend the money on the book or the ebook instead of getting it right away from the library. So I mean, I get it from a money-making standpoint, but more importantly than that, I feel like libraries should be able to be libraries and lending books is their business. And it made me think about what happens if electronic access is taken away from readers who would not otherwise have access to these books. So I think it's an important issue to keep our eyes on and we do want to preserve the integrity of libraries and make sure that they are able to lend books when they come out, not four months later. Now on to the books. My first pick for this week is called The Chain by Adrian McKinty. And McKinty, I didn't know this, but he has written a lot of novels. He is an Irish author. And The Chain is really a page turner. I finished this in one day. I couldn't stop reading it. Um, It definitely feels like a summer, exciting suspense crime novel. And I thought the premise was just so unique and spine tingly. And I want to preface this by saying, when my kids were small, there's no way I could have read this book. I had to protect myself from anything having to do with kidnapping or anything bad happening to any child anywhere. 
Um, but now that they're older, I can sort of dip my toe back in the water of scary parenting narratives. Um, so if you are someone who has young kids, or if this is a trigger for you, then uh, feel free to fast forward the podcast or skip this book. So the premise in this novel is um, there's a mother named Rachel Klein, and she drops her daughter off. I think, I can't remember how old the daughter is, but she's, you know, old enough to be waiting at the bus stop by herself. She drops her daughter Kylie off at a bus stop, just like she does every other day on her way to school. And once she gets back in her car, she receives a phone call and a woman says, I have your daughter. She's bound and gagged. And the only way you're ever going to see her again is if you pay a ransom. And here's the catch. Not only does she have to pay a ransom, but in order to get her daughter back, she has to kidnap another child. The woman who has called her is a mother herself, whose child has also been kidnapped and her child will be released as soon as Rachel kidnaps a child and this chain can continue. It kind of feels like the most terrifying Ponzi scheme of all time. And it's a book about what a parent would do for their child. How far would they go? Can a seemingly normal, well-adjusted mother become a kidnapper or worse when the fate of her child is at stake. And the chain that they are now involved in has a a long history to it. It's been going on for a while. Um, The whole book, I mean, I read it so quickly because it was very cinematic in its approach. It has such a movie-like quality to it. And when I looked it up, of course, Paramount has already bought the rights to it. So this is just a no-brainer book to film. And again, that's called The Chain, by Adrian McKinty. My literary pick for the week is Fleischman is in Trouble by Taffy Brodesser Anchor. And this explores the theme of unhappy marriages, definitely a common trope in literature. This is Brodesser Anchor's debut novel. Toby and Rachel are living in New York and have been married for 14 years. Rachel is a very successful talent agent and Toby is a doctor, and his wife sees him as, and I quote, a blinking cursor awaiting her instructions. They are newly separated, and Toby's getting used to this new world of dating and Tinder, and as it says in the book, he's learning to use the I instead of we. But one day, Rachel drops the kids off at his place, not on one of his scheduled days, and she just disappears without a word. One interesting aspect of this novel is the narration, which kind of slowly reveals itself in an interjecting sort of way. And we learn that this story is told by Toby's friend Libby. So it's really a secondhand account of events, right? It's not Toby telling the story. It's not an omniscient narrator telling the story. It's a specific person, a specific character, secondary character. Um, and I think this makes for a really interesting point of view. Libby herself is a journalist, and so we're reading her work, her journalistic investigation of her friend Toby. I thought this whole book was so well written. There are so many wonderful descriptions. It's funny. There's a lot of spot on commentary. And I enjoyed how this writing made my allegiance as a reader shift as the story moved along. And it was also really moving. 
Again, that is Fleischman is in Trouble by Taffy Brodeser Anchor. My young adult pick for the week is Suicide Notes by Michael Thomas Ford. This novel was originally published in 2008, um, but it was republished this past March, 2019. And I would say that this is a young adult novel that definitely skews a little bit older. I teach young adult novel writing at UCLA Writers Extension, and I'm always on the lookout for new books to incorporate into my curriculum. And I also love recommending books to my students, especially if it somehow connects with what they're writing. And Suicide Notes is definitely going into the philofax in my brain for strong young adult contemporary fiction. This book deals with some serious themes, as you can imagine by the title. Um, It is about 15-year-old Jeff who wakes up in a psych ward on New Year's Day. He has bandages on both of his wrists, but he's convinced, and he also convinces the reader, that it's all a mistake and he definitely doesn't belong there. He is told that he's been placed there for 45 days. And alongside Jeff, we get to know the other kids at the psych ward as well as their backstories. I love the relationship that he forms with the other characters. Uh, the writing is quite blunt, but it's also really funny. I mean, I, I didn't expect to laugh so much um, in a book about teenage suicide, um, and it felt a little uncomfortable to be laughing, but there are these moments. It goes from, you know, being very serious heavy themes to humor that can happen uh, within those moments. Um, I also found it really, really moving. This is a boy who is coming of age before the reader's eyes, and I felt so honored as a reader to be privy to all of his thoughts and development as a character. This is a quick read. I think um, it reminded me a bit of The Bell Jar in theme. It evoked the young adult novel 13 Reasons Why. Um, What else did I think of when I was reading this? The Perks of Being a Wallflower and The Breakfast Club. And again, that is Suicide Notes by Michael Thomas Ford. Next up, we have Bunny by Mona Awad. This is her, I believe it's her second book. Her debut was in 2016, and it was called 13 Ways of Looking at a Fat Girl. This definitely falls under the category of weird and wonderful. If you haven't checked out my episode number three, I specifically talk about weird and wonderful books with my dad. So in this book, Samantha Heather Mackey is getting her MFA in creative writing. She is a talented writer there on scholarship, but she struggles to be understood by the other writers in her workshop, especially the three women who call each other Bunny. They're in a sort of secret club, and Samantha is clearly on the outside until they invite her in. And then she is literally down the rabbit hole into this magical, realistic new world of desire and creativity and absurdity. I am not going to spill the beans on what happens because it would ruin the delight in the discovery of it, but a lot of it feels very cult-like and the tone really reminded me of the movie Heather's. I think that anyone who has ever been through an MFA program, particularly in creative writing, can relate. I 
got my MFA in creative writing at University of British Columbia, and I actually had an amazing experience there. There was only one incident with a fellow student that I can remember, and he was just so miserable. He sort of got pleasure out of pouring his misery on everyone around him, but everyone else was totally fantastic. And I'm still over 10 years later in a writing group with my fellow graduates who, and they've all gone on to publish uh, multiple books. So it's very exciting. Anyhow, I kept thinking about them and reliving my memories at UBC when I was reading this book. This is one of those books that is not for everyone. Um, it is just so bizarre and you have to buy into what you're reading. And if you are a person who's turned off by magical realism, this is not the book for you. I would categorize this as academic satire meets magical realism. The writing is sparse, but really funny. There's hints of fairy tale and horror and satire and the grotesque, and you will definitely never look at rabbits the same again. And again, that is Bunny by Mona Awad. And for my last pick of the week, we have a nonfiction book called The Feather Thief. And I would like to be clear that I am not pushing books about birds because I now have chickens. I actually read this book well before I got the chickens. Um, this book is by Kirk Wallace Johnson, and it's about so many things, but it centers around this one main event. So in 2009, a man by the name of Edwin Rist broke into the Tring Museum, which is sort of an offshoot of the British Natural History Museum. And once inside, Wrist stuffed hundreds of rare bird skins into a suitcase he brought along with him. And many of those birds bore tags identifying that they'd been collected 150 years earlier by a naturalist named Alfred Russell Wallace, who was a colleague of Charles Darwin's. Wrist had stolen them because the black market for feathers was quite high. Uh, there are many hobbyists who collected fly fishing ties, and the real enthusiastic ones tried to create uh, Victorian salmon fly ties. I didn't know that this was a thing, but I guess people who are really into fly ties want exact replicas from Victorian times. So in order to do that, they need to purchase very rare bird feathers on the black market. So in the book, we also learn about the history of bird feathers. Um, we learn about feather fever, which took place in the Victorian era, and how feathers suddenly gained popularity when they started informing fashion at the time. I won't tell you what happened to Wrist, the bird thief, but I will tell you that his thievery has had a pretty big impact on bird specimen records. Um, so this is a historical account. It also has twinges of suspense novel in it. Um, it also is a bit of a travel log. And uh, if you are an avid bird lover or fellow ornithologist, uh, perhaps this book is for you. Again, it is called The Feather Thief by Kirk Wallace Johnson. And that is all for this week. I would so, so appreciate it if you would subscribe to my podcast and give it a five-star rating if you are enjoying what you're hearing. I am currently reading Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed, which doesn't come out till January of next year, and I cannot wait to talk about it on this show. I am loving it so, so much. 
You can visit the show notes section of the podcast if you want the names of any of the books I've talked about today. And you can email me with comments and questions at booksaremypeople at gmail.com and visit booksaremypeople.com for everything else, including sponsorship and where to send review copies. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you all enjoy a bookishly wonderful week.